if Ravi could do that, how can I trust anyone else? Or what about this? Or what about that? And I would say, well, that should encourage you to go deeper because there's nothing that's happened here that's not spoken of in the scriptures. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Today, I'm grateful to welcome back a good friend, David Robertson, to Candid Conversations. David Robertson is from Scotland, where he was a minister for 18 years before moving to Australia to help serve with evangelistic outreach there. We met when Lindsay and I lived and served in Australia. David is a gifted writer and teacher who can explain complex theological truth in a simple and engaging way. He's written several books, including the Dawkins Letters, he has the We Flee blog, and he writes for Christian Today. In this conversation, David and I process the difficult news of the confirmed allegations of impropriety in Ravi Zacharias' personal life. We want to be respectful of this issue while still discussing the importance of grieving this news, what it means for Christian leaders to be held accountable if scandal discredits previous teachings, and what we can learn, if anything, from this. We hope this conversation will help you process this news in the love and truth of Christ. David Robertson, it's always a privilege to have you on Candid Conversations. Thank you for taking the time in your busy morning to have a conversation with us. It's a privilege and a joy and kind of weird as well that I'm a day ahead of you, but still. <laughs> we never really quite got over that concept uh, when we were yeah. living there and, and, and missing a day in travel. Uh, David, obviously, you've uh, been writing recently about the recent uh, release of information about Ravi Zacharias and um, things that he has done on a personal level. Uh, the accusations are now being founded. And I guess the first thing I want to say is, you know, I do appreciate that uh, you took your time in talking about this issue. You didn't sort of rush to judgment like a lot of Christian press and uh, Christian bloggers have done so. And, uh, you know, I'm just curious to get your thoughts behind a reasoning like that. Okay. Um, this is really, really difficult. And one of the difficulties is the kind of access to instant news and media and so on. So I was asked to write for Premier Christianity in December 2017. So, you know, that's three years ago about yeah. allegations about Ravi Zacharias. And at the time, what I wrote was fairly straightforward, stating what the accusations were. Uh, one seemed less serious than the other. And then saying, you know, there are principles how we as Christians should deal with this. We're not in a position to judge by our feelings. We mustn't gossip, pass on gossip. And my main point was that we all need good biblical church discipline and that, you know, I would trust the organization to deal with whatever the allegations were. So there were people writing in saying, oh, yes, I know that this is true. And I'm going, no, you don't. You don't know that this is true. There's been no court case. There's been nothing. You may feel that it's true. You may suspect it's true. But as Christians, you know, there's a lot of warnings in the Bible about gossip, and we have to be really Mm. careful. Now, latterly, these allegations came up a lot worse. And in December, I was again asked to write this past year, 
And I actually ended up refusing. I spoke to Michael Ramsden of RSM and I realized there was a full, ongoing, very expensive investigation. And I thought, no, no, wait, why do I need to say something? I've got nothing more to add. Uh, wait till the report comes out. And the report has now come out. It's worse than, than we had anticipated. But then I wrote an article, I've written a couple of articles since then, purely and simply because I'd refused to do so until we had the evidence. And now we have the evidence. That's the time to do it. Yeah. And transitioning from that to uh, now what we know, just your own sort of personal reaction to the situation. I, I mean, I can tell you personally, for me, I really genuinely have a feels like a sickness in my stomach. I mean, it's it's hard yeah. to read these things and not have a visceral uh, reaction to this. But, uh, you know, for yourself, reading these accounts and uh, all the information, what's sort of your reaction? Well, sickening is the way to put it. I mean, when I read the actual report, and to be honest, some of the reactions to it as well, mm. it's just, uh, I felt sick. I mean, Ravi had sat uh, at our dining table. I didn't know him you know, well, I mean, I met him once when we had him at a conference and he sat at our dining table. I set up a, an organization in Scotland which had considered uh, joining RZIM and we decided not to. For There were a couple of things I weren't, wasn't very keen on, but I never suspected anything like this. So to be honest, just a depression uh, about, do you know, a, a little bit there, but for the grace of God go I. Yes. Yes, uh, a little bit of that. You know what struck me, Jonathan, probably more than anything recently, and I'm I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually um, writing another article, not about Ravi, but about this. Mm. It almost nobody has commented on the fact that his sin was against God. Yeah, you know, sin is against God, and I mean, I understand that human beings are victims. I understand, you know, family, staff, uh, those who are involved in different ways, mm. but at the end of the day. This was, uh, you know, it was it was really blasphemy. The the name of God is blasphemed amongst the Gentiles because of you. I mean, you're a preacher, yeah. you know you you know what it's like for me to stand up and preach, and then go and do the opposite. I I, mm. I almost can't think of anything worse. Right. Yeah. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil. Not that, uh, you know, in David's case that, you know, he had sinned against Bathsheba and uh, Uriah and all that. But it's it was the primary focus uh, when he had a, that moment of repentance. Yeah. Yeah. He did. I mean, that's Psalm 51. And what always struck me about that, he's saying, look, I was born in iniquity. I mean, I do think there is a, a, a difference. I mean, I've heard this comparison, you know, David and Bathsheba, you know, and Ravi and, and so on. But the difficulty, the hardest part of the report for me was how mm -hmm. this went on for years. Yes, yes. David had a particular fall. Right. And when he was awakened to it by the prophet Nathan, you know, he then responded in, in genuine repentance. Don't take away from me the joy of your spirit, you know. Right. Um, I think what got me about this was just the years of deceit, mm. you know. And I think one of the dangers as well we all fall into, because as evangelical Christians, we accept as a truism, because it is true, that we're all sinners. Mm. You know, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. But we also forget many things. And I, I do think in this we have forgotten God. Um, mm. We've forgotten the word of God that says teachers will be judged more harshly. That's what James yes. says. Absolutely. You know, there's a standard that 
we have to live up to. I, I remember the first time there was a, um, a girl who was really influential in my conversion and somebody said to me, yeah, it's all right for her. You wait to see it when something wrong goes in her life. Everything's going great, yeah. you know, and then, then we'll see what happens. And I remember something wrong did go wrong in her life and she did backslide and give up her faith. And I remember being shattered by that thing. Well, and then I just came to realize my faith was in God, not in other human beings. Yeah. And, their faith, yeah. you know, but I do feel for people who, you know, have been helped by what Ravi taught and they're thinking, well, wait a minute, does this mean it's all false? No, it doesn't. Right. Uh, I mean, if someone who teaches you two plus two equals four turns out to be a mass murderer, it doesn't mean that two plus two doesn't equal four. Right. It's not the so, messenger, it's the message. Yeah, although you have to be a little bit careful with that because the Bible does indicate that you shall know them by their fruits. Mm, yeah. I do think this will do a great deal of harm to the cause of the gospel. I think particularly in the US. I mean, I think yeah. you guys are facing a battering just now anyway. Yeah. The optics of this are horrendous. You know, you, you have Mike Pence giving a eulogy at the funeral and everything else. Yeah. And then all this happens. I do have to say this, by the way, Jonathan, that one of the people who was probably most significant in exposing all this is a man called Steve Bogman. And he's an atheist. And I read something that I, he wrote, which I thought was actually really wise on his part. He said, this does not negate Christianity and it should not be used to attack Christianity, wow. which I thought one was very gracious of him. And two, it's true. Yeah. It, well, you know, you bring up the issue of fruit. Mm -hmm. So what do we do with a Ravi Zacharias whose ministry has borne good fruit but it seems in his own personal life was not bearing any fruit or bearing bad fruit. Yeah, I suspect things are always more complex. I think the verse I would go to is Jesus saying, many will come to me on the judgment day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons, heal the sick, do many wonderful deeds in your name? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. And I think that there, the emphasis is really on character and I mean, what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is not that you preach great sermons right. or that you're a great apologist. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mm. gentleness, and self-control. You've experienced this as well, but over many years of ministry, I have seen pastors and others fall away. I've seen one-off things that, you know, it, it, it's been horrendous, but mm. there's been a coming back from. And then I've seen the kind of thing that we're talking about here departure and yeah. you wonder what goes through people's minds and hearts but i'll tell you this you you've absolutely lost the sense of the lord and the joy of the lord i mean ultimately our fruit is only going to be known in heaven it, it's, right. it's in corinthians that paul says that we're judged according to what we have done right and he's talking about christians and he says yeah. some will escape as by fire in other words yeah. they're saved but you know blessed are the dead who die with them says revelation uh, their deeds follow after them. Well, some of us, our deeds, we're taking nothing to heaven. Will there be any stars in my crown? No, there won't. We get there. But then there'll be others, and they, they might be people who we never hear of, yeah. who will not be well-known at all, but they, you know, they've served the Lord faithfully, silver. they've drawn close to Christ, mm. uh, and I, I think that's you know, really important. So is it possible to be saved and fall this far from grace? Or is it the case that, is it possible to be lost and still proclaim the truth? Well, I think both are true. 
again, I think one of the difficulties we have here is we always want to be people who know, we want to know, or we want to be able to make a judgment, but we're not the judge. Yeah. So I would just simply say, yes, it is possible to be saved and fall this far from grace. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, imagine Peter betrayed Christ. I mean, I think Ravi betrayed Christ, by the way, but Peter betrayed yeah. Christ, yet was reinstated. David, look what he did. I mean, it's worse. Yeah. You know, in, in one sense, it was murder, really. He yeah. got somebody killed, yeah. and it resulted in the death of a child as well. Mm. So, yes, it is possible to be saved and, and to fall. And, yes, it's possible. I mean, the devil can come as an angel of light. Yeah. And I, I think we we skip by that verse far too quickly. We tend to think, oh, we would know. We would know. No. <laughs> we'll recognize him. <laughs> we'd recognize. You know, we'd see the angel of light, and we'd go, yeah, yeah, you're not for real. No. Now, the answer for, for Rabbi is just simply, we don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all I know is that if he was a Christian, and I think he probably was, to be honest, that he let down his Lord incredibly, you know, yeah. unbelievably. He forgot God. I mean, that's the phrase that keeps going through my head. You know, my people forgot me. Mm. And I think part of that is all tied in with celebrity culture, yeah. the particular way the church has developed in the Western world, part of it is just basic human sinfulness. The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Mm. You know, and I do feel a little that there are people who are very, very quick to, you know, condemn and attack. And they're not thinking, well, there, but for the grace of God go I as well. I think if you are not faced with your own sinful nature and mortality in that sense, then you have really missed a great opportunity yeah. because it's a, it's a lesson built in. You know, that's a question we get a lot. And I'm curious if, if that's something you're getting a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if the, the Ravi story has taken as much traction in Australia, but a lot of people are saying, what are the lessons that we can learn from this? And I know that they're, they're vast and many, but um, just to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I think there are people who are asking that i i wonder a little bit though if there's not a time to be silent because mm. you know i think the primary thing here is to mourn yeah. um and i think we're far too quick to want to say right we've got this sorted we've got this sorted i mean i was reading richard sibbs and i'll read this to you because i i put it in a letter yesterday yeah. he that talks of other men's faults gives an intimation that he is innocent and he had need be so it is easy and plausible Men glory in it. It feeds corrupt nature to talk of other men's faults. But to come home to a man's self, that is a hard thing. It is without ostentation or applause. You know, Ravi would come off a stage being lauded by thousands and come home and in his heart he would know that it was fake. That's just such a, a horrendous thing, you know, such a burden as well. Yes, of course, there are lots of lessons. But I would say one of the lessons is we need to just be very, very careful about saying, oh, we've learned from this. You know, we get this in the secular world all the time. You know, there's a case of abuse or something, and people say, never again will this happen. Uh, let's right. have a government inquiry, and then let's pass a law. Yeah. Right. So? Hasn't addressed the issue. Yeah. Right? It, well, it, it attempts to, but it, it ten we tend to have this view, we can fix this. We can sort it. Yeah. Or this other person wasn't like us. One of the reasons I became a Christian was I studied – Weimar Germany and the Nazis and so on, the rise of the Nazis. And one of the most devastating things to me was to realize, given 
the same circumstances, given lots of other different things. Either I could have been a Nazi or more, more probably I would have just let it go and turned a blind eye. And I mean, the, the fact that Hitler was human, it just drove me to despair, but it also drove me to Christ. And I would say that if anyone's listening to this and they're going, yeah, Ravi, you know, he's horrible and I would never, ever do that. I would say, yeah, be careful. Just be careful. Mm. It was horrible. I'm yeah. not going to excuse it. I think to just go, oh, well, we're all sinners. That's not, no, that's not sufficient. This is something that is utterly abhorrent in God's sight. And I think one of the lessons we need to learn is just not to be so proud and so arrogant. And and dare I say it, I really think that we must not feed celebrity culture. And the other thing is the yeah. Lord has given us the church to help us with discipline and so on and to keep us accountable. And again, as far as I know, Ravi did not particularly belong or associate with any local no. church. And that's a disaster. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I, I read some of these articles and, and people are often getting confused parachurch and church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they talk about RZIM as if it was a church mm-hmm. and he was this head of the church. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, any pastor of a church is not the head of the church. Christ is the mm-hmm. head of the church. So I think there's a lot of confusion in the language that's being used there um, and giving it a pass. And I think you're right because parachurch ministries are not called for discipline or appointing of elders, uh, you know, above reproach and all these sorts of things. There's there's a missing element there. Yeah, I think there is a missing element. I think that, you know, when we look at this, there are systemic issues to look at. So if you want to go really broad, there has always been an issue in society of the powerful exploiting the weak. And that often mm. is male exploiting female. Now, you don't have to buy into the right. whole patriarchal stuff to, to recognize that, but that's part of fallen human nature. The Lord has told us in his word, I mean, there's nothing that's happened here that should make someone go to the Bible and go, okay, this is not true, because the Bible's warned us about all of this. The New Testament church was a mess in lots <laughs> of ways. And yeah. but the, the Lord has given us his word, he's given us his spirit, and he's given us his church. And I think we need to be incredibly careful I don't think parachurch organizations are wrong. I think sometimes they are necessary. They're part of the wider church and so on. But I think when they're based around one personality or when they lack an accountability. So, I mean, let's go the opposite way and and look at, say, Billy Graham. Now, from everything that we know about Billy Graham and the Billy Graham organization when, when he was alive, he was accountable. He didn't take a lot of money from it. You know, he could have been one of the richest people in the world, and he didn't. And nobody has ever brought any kind of credible accusation against Billy Graham. Well, that's a wonderful legacy to have. And I think maybe the Lord's message requires the Lord's means is one of the lessons we could take from this. I think of similar situations, not identical, but I think of things like uh, the issue with uh, happening with Hillsong and Carl Lentz and, and, and here's a moral failure and I think there's, uh, you know, part of me that sort of looks as a sort of uh, reformed Calvinistic type person and looks at that and I think, oh, of course, I'm not surprised that somebody in that camp would have a, a moral failing. But then something like Ravi, who we'd, we'd call sort of one of ours, our people, when it happens, it sort of, uh, it hits home in a different way. Yeah, it does. So the, the Hillsong one with Carl Lentz. Now, 
Hillsong is based here in Sydney, uh, as you know. And I do really feel for them in many ways in terms of some of the stuff that they've been hit with. Um, you know, the way I look at it is this. Jesus had one of his 12 chosen ones who betrayed him, you know, and others let him down. So, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to judge a whole organization by some of the things that, that go wrong. However, I do think there are aspects of the culture around Hillsong in New York, which were incredibly disturbing. Some of the, the teaching and the ethos and the celebrity aspect of it. So there's a sense in which I was less surprised by that. But where the rabbi thing really hits is in terms of biblical evangelicalism, if you like, he was one of ours. And that really, really hits home. And there's a temptation almost to make you cynical. And it shouldn't. I don't think it should make you cynical, but it should certainly make you wary of putting your trust in human beings. Again, this, as you've already said, it's, it's happened enough times to where you would hope people would stop putting their, their hope and their trust in this leader or speaker or whatever it is and put their trust in Christ. But it keeps happening and people, you know, are let down. And so going back to the, what we talked about, you know, a lesson being learned, I think, I think that certainly is, is a lesson to be learned in, in putting our, our hope in Christ. And, and again, it's, you know, thinking of Christians who are, maybe responding to their non-Christian friends and neighbors who are saying, I heard about, uh, you know, Ravi Zacharias, this great evangelical leader and what he did. Oh, this just confirms what we thought about mm-hmm. people like you. Mm-hmm. How do you address and respond? I mean, oh, I mean, that's, that's completely easy because uh, I just simply say, name me one organization that hasn't had this kind of problem. What do you mean? People like us, we're people, we're human beings. You know, for example, one of the most elite schools in France just now is being absolutely torn apart by an unbelievably bad sex scandal, you know, that almost yeah. makes Ravi's thing pale. Now, I, I don't think Ravi's thing does pale purely and simply because here is a man who's proclaiming the Christian gospel and that wasn't happening in the school in France. But there are sports clubs. They reckon that in Sweden currently up to one third of women have experienced some form of sexual abuse. You know, and that's in the, you know, equality paradise. However, I, I do accept the, the criticism that if someone is teaching this and living a different way, then at one level, it is true that their life negates the message. What does this tell us about the limits of apologetics and, and sort of the danger of knowing truth apart from that deep, honest, spirit-filled relationship with God and, and, and really the community that he's given us and through the church. Mm-hmm. I was always completely wary of if I even using the term apologetics because it gives the idea that you're, yeah. you're kind of apologizing for something. You know, like even now we're, sure. we're going to start apologizing for Ravi Zacharias or so saying we're not like other people. <laughs> well, actually we are. Right. But yeah. it also it gives the implication that you've got to be a professor at Yale or something in order to be able to do this. I liked apologetic being used in the older sense of the church fathers, and that's just someone seeking to communicate Christ. Now, the whole point about what the Bible says is that it's heart, mind, you know, body. We don't compartmentalize. Um, I remember it was C.S. Lewis saying that he never doubted a doctrine so much as just after having defended it. 
you know, because the devil attacked him. There's a spiritual warfare going on. There's emotional, there's physical, there's everything involved. And so I think to remove the mind altogether is just silly and you can't do it anyway. But to divorce the mind from spirit, body, you know, the will, lifestyle and everything is also completely wrong. It doesn't make sense. So I think the lesson in that sense is for us to live godly lives, live lives that are worthy of Jesus Christ. What is the warning uh, specifically for those of us who are who really take pride in our our sound doctrine, you know, maybe those in the reformed or calvinistic camp. You know, what's the warning for those who feel like they are protected by the doctrine itself? Well, um it's simple. That is you say that you believe, so does the devil. You know, <laughs> that's right. There's a god, you know. I mean, that's and I think particularly, again, those of us who are teaching, you know, there's a particular responsibility. And that's why, for example, I mean, I, d- I do think, despite what I said earlier, I do think there is a scope for um, parachurch or interdenominational ministries like Leading the Way, which you couldn't do from one church. I mean, you couldn't, you know, broadcast in, what is it, you 25, 26 languages or something in all the yeah. continents. You couldn't do that. But what that does mean is that, you, uh, your father, and others who are involved need special protection and prayer and need to be grounded in a church and need to be yeah. remembered that we can't do anything without the Spirit being at work. I remember um, in my church in Dundee in St. Peter's, uh, we went through a period where there was, um, you know, a, a significant amount of blessing and I loved preaching and so on. But a few months I hadn't particularly seen anyone converted. And then someone came, it doesn't matter who it is. Someone came and I heard their sermon. Uh, I was ill at the time, but I listened to their sermon later and it was like, not great. I mean, there was nothing false or, or, you know, it was biblical, but there wasn't a lot to it. And I just thought, oh, the people have got nothing from that. But two people were converted through it. And I just thought, okay, that's not an excuse for bad sermons, but it just makes me realize yeah. God will work in his way at his time. And we need to remember right. that, that no matter how gifted we are, that our gifting, our words will never convert anyone. It's the word of God that's powerful. When I first presented the idea, you know, just in general for f- friends and family and that sort of thing, I-, I did get initial pushback and it was sort of like, why do we need to talk about it? You know, Ravi's already passed. Um, but there is a need to have this conversation. And what, you know, what do you see as being central and important to having this real honest conversation about this reality that's taken place? Yeah, look, I think there's two dangers here. I understand those who say we don't need to talk about it. I mean, you know, I, I believe you me, when I, I wrote the article for Premier Christianity last week, it's the last thing I wanted to do. Really, it was. Sure. Um, I just wished it would all go away. But the trouble is, it's what we call a fama in legal terms. There is a public fama, a public scandal. And yes, that does have to be addressed by the church. I don't think it has to be addressed by every Tom, Dick and Harry or whatever. But I, I, I do think that it does need to be addressed. I also think from a pastoral point of view, there are Christians, and some will be listening to this, who are saying, well, wait a minute. If Ravi could do that, how can I trust anyone else? So what about this? Or what about that? And yes. I would say, well, that should encourage you to go deeper because there's nothing that's happened here that's not spoken of in the scriptures. You know, um, Paul, for example, says, Demas, having loved this world, one of his close allies has forsaken me. 
he tells us that there were people who were preaching the gospel in order to get him into trouble in Philippians. You know, what a motive That's for right. preaching the gospel. Let's get Paul in jail. You know, it's just like, how can human beings, and then you realize this is what scripture says. So ironically, um, this is proving what scripture says. So I don't think we should turn away from it. I don't think we should indulge in gossip. I don't think we should start spec. I mean, I've seen people saying, well, the board should have done this, or what about his family, or what about this, what about that? No, 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 no. I summarized the report for people because I basically said, you don't need to read it. It's got lots of salacious detail in it. Why do you need to know that? We, we don't need yeah. to know any of that now. We know that he sinned. We know that he fell. We know that there was a, um, a culture that was wrong. We know, to be honest, that RZIM is basically finished now, which is just absolutely tragic. Yeah. And, you know, why do we need to know anything more? And I, I, I feel that it is right to discuss in order to help, but there's a, an ugly German word called schadenfreude, and schadenfreude mm. is when you take pleasure in other people's misfortune. And there are people who won't have liked Ravi or you know, who, who will be, mm. yeah, we always suspected. Yeah, well, please be quiet. Now's not yeah. the time for you to indulge in what I would call schadenfreude. I, I, I mean, if you can't speak about this with a broken heart, I would just keep quiet. Well, you know, and it raises the question, what do we do with the teachings that Ravi has done in the past that, that have served... Yeah. Uh, a great benefit to many people. Well, okay, there's several things with that. I mean, I was asked this. I was saying, would I, would I buy a Ravi book? The answer is no. I do have two or three. Uh, I'm not going to throw them out and burn them. But no, I wouldn't um, <laughs> because all the time I'm reading it, you know, it kind of seems to yeah. negate the message. Now, on the other hand, there have been film directors and musicians who've, you know, later on it's turned out to be very appalling. And then you think... Well, could I still watch that film or could I still listen to one of their songs? But I think I do think this is different. And also I would say this, that um, where Ravi taught the scriptures, you will get that from the scriptures. You will also get it from other people. So I, I, I tend to think, and also because there's a whole bunch of stuff involved, like uh, I remember there was one Christian songwriter who just pretty well, well, did turn against biblical standards and, Somebody said to me, would we still sing her songs? And I said, yeah, probably a couple of them and so on. But then after a while, we came to realize that there were royalties going to a cause that we no longer believed in. Mm. And I just thought, nah, I don't think we're going to do this. You know, so there are, there are complicating factors. But I don't think it negates the message, but I do think it puts blockages in that. And I would tend to look for that same message elsewhere. You talked and sort of warned about... Um this celebrity culture that does exist. And, you know, we're thinking about um, some of the words from, you know, Titus chapter one and, and the importance of pastors and teachers being held to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. How do we push against those two opposing things? Well, I think the celebrity culture is wrong. Now, de facto, if God blesses you in a sense that your, your voice is uh, able to go to millions of people and so on, then you are going to be a celebrity. But I think the desire to be a celebrity is not a good one, um, even if you say it's for the gospel's sake. I also right. think that um, the church shouldn't feed that. So I remember being at a conference in the States, and <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> Forgive me saying this. Sometimes you guys go a wee bit over the top. I mean, in Scotland and in Australia. Well, in Australia, you have this thing called tall poppy syndrome, 
which is, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's well aware of yeah, it. Yeah, just chop you down. And that's not good. You know, there's a cynicism, you know. In Scotland, we use a phrase saying, I kent his father. I knew his father. So like Andy Murray wins mm-hmm. Wimbledon, we go, oh, yeah, but I knew his father, implying that there was something <laughs> doubtful about the family. So we tend to knock people down. In America, it seems to me that there's a culture the that does almost the opposite. Wind up the shirt. Yeah, and and what happened was um, I, I was being introduced by a well-known American pastor, and he said I was one of the world's foremost apologists, all that kind of stuff. And the two guys who were with me were from Scotland, and afterwards they were saying, do you hear what he said? Like, he put you alongside John Piper and Tim Keller, and all that kind of stuff. And I burst out laughing, and I said, guys, I'm just David. Do you know you know?" And one of them looked at me and said, and I could see in his face that he was jealous. I want to be that. I mm. want to be called that. But the other one got it. He said, yeah, you know, what a lot of nonsense. And it was. I mean, it was polite. It was kind in some ways. But you've got to be really careful when that kind of stuff starts happening, you know, because yeah. there is a danger. I mean, John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. Mm. I think it's too trite to say there should be no well-known Christians. I think that that's too trite and uh, not particularly true. I mean, Paul, if you like, you could say was a celebrity. Peter, you could say Mary, the mother of Jesus, she would have been known in every church, you know, kind of thing. But I think what we've done is we've mimicked the world. So, you know, we have Christian music charts and Christian film this and Christian media, and we have people elevated to a certain status. I know you've had your sort of brief encounter with Ravi, but, you know, being here in Atlanta and, and, and having kind of a primarily American audience, we will have people listening to this who will have been impacted by RZIM or will know somebody who either came to Christ through uh, Ravi's ministry or was encouraged by the ministry. You know, how do you encourage that person uh who's really broken over this. Yeah. Well, first of all, the brokenness I understand. And I, you know, but I would also say, you know, your faith was not in Ravi. It was in Christ. And I could tell them about, I mean, I have a friend who was a Hindu who was converted through a sect, but God still used that. You know, um, I would say that um, there are shattering things that happen, but who are you looking to? And, you know, how is your own walk with Christ? I think it was Sibs as as, as well who said, I would rather go to heaven alone than to hell with a multitude. You know? um, so we're not just going along with. So again, uh, if someone heard Ravi explain about, let's say, the resurrection, and then they hear about Ravi's behavior just now, and they say, well, that means the resurrection doesn't happen. That's not a logical position. What right. it means is that Ravi forgot the resurrection had happened, forgot mm. that Christ is alive and watching and knowing what we're doing. You know, and I think that forgetfulness all of us should be aware of because the Bible warns us about it many, many times. Yeah, and and, and I want to ask that because you you've you sort of said this at the beginning. You, you, the question is, how could this have gone on for so long? You know, right? We we talked about uh, David's sin with Bathsheba, and it's sort of uh, you know, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Well, the Holy Spirit's now in us. How could a person, a, a Christian leader like this, blunt or mute the Holy Spirit uh, convicting and, and, and all these things for such a long period of time? Oh, I, again, I think that's fairly easy. We can quench the Spirit. We can grieve the Spirit. Grieve not the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. I think we can do that. Um, I think we can deceive ourselves, and I think we can deceive others. 
I remember somebody mm. once who I saw them do something with my own eyes. If I hadn't seen them do it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. Um, and when I challenged them about it, they absolutely swore blind they hadn't done it. And they were so convincing. I think they convinced themselves. So I think we can deceive ourselves. The devil can deceive us. I think we can become mm. hardened. And we pray, David prayed, for example, in the Psalms, Lord, show me my hidden faults. And, you know, if there's any yeah. wrong way within me, show me. Now, that's a, that's in a tremendous prayer to pray. Um, it can mm -hmm. be a bit devastating if the Lord answers it. You know? <laughs> um, it could be a long list. Yeah. So how this could go by so long undetected, I think there are lots of things. I mean, don't divide the world into these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. Ravi wasn't the only yeah. sinner in this. You know, there are people right. who agreed to cover it up because they were paid money. I think that's wrong. Right. There are other people I suspect who knew of something or who felt that there was something wrong. Um, in the report about it, there was one of the senior RSM staff who I know actually who did challenge Ravi on it and for two years was kind of put into the sin bin, if you like. I think yeah. then alarm bells should have been ringing. When your paycheck also depends on there being nothing wrong, you have a much bigger temptation not to see anything wrong. Whereas I think a, a biblical way is to do what David did, say, Lord, show us what's wrong here. Yeah. You know, and th that tends to be deeply personal. Um, I, I don't think it's right for us to publicly display all our sins for everyone to gawp at. But I do think mm. that we need to be aware of our own sinfulness. Yeah, such a need for accountability and, and guardrails yeah. uh, for marriages, for, for relationships, for, for all these things uh, that you're right. We can so easily be deceived. Um, you know, even thinking about, you know, Mike Pence saying uh, he wouldn't be in the room with another woman with the door shut. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the world comes at him and says, oh, he's just a prude and yeah. typical thinking like that. But then the opposite is what we see now. Uh, you know, obviously the opposite extreme is, is uh, a lifestyle that, has the door shut on relationships like that. And yeah, and I think, I think I there's also a wider hypocrisy in the world as well in this. that So it seems as though, you know, because Ravi had a sore back and so on, he was able to hide this a lot by, it was masseurs who he abused right. and used. Um, and, you know, never alone with a, a woman. Well, that obviously was not true. And I think, again, it's just when we've abused God's gift of, of sex and sexuality that so much goes wrong. Amen. Well, David, it's uh, it's uh, a difficult conversation, and um, I think, as you've said, it's not one that you want to uh, make too much of. Uh, that we we don't do this out of uh, out of joy, but um, out of a need for Christians to have hopefully a, a healthy and a helpful response. Uh, one for themselves, and two for you know those that may ask uh, who are seeing. Uh, these things unfold in the news. Mm -hmm. So I really do appreciate you taking the time to to come and speak with us. I do wonder if you would, um, if you just close us with a word of prayer over these things. Yeah. Okay. Lord, we do, we're just heartbroken at all that has happened here. Some of us are maybe more affected than others. And yet you, O oh Lord, you saw all your friends desert you. You were left at the cross with all your disciples having fled. And yet you died for us, yet you still, your church still prevails. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we thank you for that. 
We pray for all involved in this situation, for Ravi's family, for his colleagues, for those who are victims of the abuse, for those who perhaps were caught up in ways that they could not have foreseen, or maybe they could, and kept quiet. Lord, we just know that it's a mess, and we know that the world is a mess, and we cry, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you would enable each of us to walk in humility, to walk lives that are worthy of you. And if anyone's listening to this who's not yet a Christian, Lord, we pray that they would see and hear our pain, but also know that our pain and their pain and our sin and their sin can be forgiven in Christ. Bless Jonathan, bless uh, leading the way and and all that is done, and grant, O oh Lord, that there would be uh, faithful service to you through that ministry, for we ask it in your name. Amen. David Robertson, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review on your favorite listening platform to help other people find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.